This is episode number 146 with Christian counselor Steve Brand. Welcome to the Practical Christian Podcast. My name is Travis Albritton, your friendly neighborhood Bible teacher, and every day we'll dive into the tips, tricks, and hacks that you can implement in your daily life to become a more effective Christian. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to your daily dose of Practical Christian Training. Hey guys, I am really excited that I get to bring this conversation to you on this episode of the podcast because Steve and I have been really good friends for quite a while. He's been counseling Christians for more than 25 years and has just personally been a tremendous resource and friend and relationship for my wife and I. And my wife and his wife are very close and uh, they just mean so much to us, Steve and his wife. And so I'm grateful that he agreed to doing this interview, and I know you're going to learn a lot from him today. Uh, A couple of things that you'll hear us talk about that I want you to key in on. Uh, The first one is why Christians are hesitant to seek professional counseling, and I think the answer will surprise many of you, and I think it's a good thing to, to really understand and internalize so that it's not something that we are hesitant to do. Uh, Something else we talk about is how to escape the performance trap. We dive a little bit into uh, some of the dark places we can go in our faith, the dangers of those places, and how to get out. And then also, towards the end, we talk about the most effective way to treat depression. And so, so many good things that we talk about in this interview. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Steve Brand. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me today. I'm truly very much looking forward to what we get to chat about. Oh, my pleasure. You're welcome. So why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit and describe what you get to do for a living? I am a 41-year-old disciple and a 61-year-old man. And for a living, I get to do biblical counseling every day and help people heal, stretch, and grow. I've seen about 26,000 hours of individual therapy, mostly with Christians who are trying to be their best. Was there anything that inspired you to become a Christian counselor? Like, at what point in time did you decide that that's what you wanted to do? Well, I had been in the ministry for eight years, been a campus minister and an evangelist, and planted a church, and then kind of hit the wall in my own life and marriage and went to therapy. And uh, the therapist uh, helped me and I bonded with him. And I said, I want to do what you do. And I saw that as another type of ministry. And it, it surely has been a very rewarding ministry uh, since uh, 1991 when I went back to graduate school. And how have you seen yourself grow personally just as a result of working with people and counseling people in that way? Well, it's, it's hard to um, explain what sitting with, you know, people 26,000 times plus does, but you just get a broad uh, range of experiences, but you also start to see patterns and, uh, 
you have to read a lot and study a lot to do this kind of work. And it requires a certain amount of depth and also it requires really good boundaries. So you can kind of, when you lock up the office at night, you don't take it with you. Um, but I, I think the, the amount of study and uh, personal work that I do uh, to stay balanced and to be there for other people has helped me to grow tremendously. Yeah, because I imagine being a Christian counselor, if you're not careful, can take a really high emotional toll on you. Um, very similar to ministry in a lot of ways. And so what are some of the things similar? What are some of the things that you do to kind of protect your heart? So you're still giving, you're still helping people, but you're not um, taking that with you or carrying that burden with you. Well, I mean, the most basic thing is my own connection with God, my own quiet time. And that takes many um, forms. I'm not keeping God in the quiet time box. He's much bigger than that. I do a lot of aerobic exercise, mostly outdoors, hiking and biking. And uh, I do yoga and I I, uh, do a lot of reading. So I, I get a lot of strength from nature. And I get a lot of strength, obviously, from God, who created nature. And I get a lot of strength from just being balanced and centered. And then the, the whole boundary thing, being able to leave it at the office, is something not everybody can do. And for some reason, I have that gift, and I'm able to really be 1,000% tuned in and dialed in to people for the 50 minutes that I'm with them. But then I'm able to pull out without carrying their burdens. You know, the spirit does give me insight once in a while randomly when I'm exercising or praying and I think about somebody, but I don't carry their burdens. Very cool. Uh, So I am really anxious to get into some of the the trends that you see meeting with Christians. But first, I want to pick your brain on just the idea of going to see a professional counselor. And I, I feel like in the Christian community, especially, it can kind of have a stigma attached to it. Uh, just the idea that, oh, you have to go and pay someone to talk about or solve your problem. That, that's, that's not really seen as a, as a good thing when it, it really is. It's incredible that we have professionals that can help us grow that are doing it from a godly perspective. So could you just kind of speak to why that attitude or just that, that mindset of going to see a professional counselor is misguided? Well, I think, first of all, you have to look at popular culture and the images that we see at the movies. In movies that going way back to Jack Nicholson in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Angelina Jolie in Girl Interrupted, Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. And so mental health is portrayed as if you're really crazy, they're going to lock you up. And it's really bad in there. And so uh, a lot of people have weird thoughts from time to time, and they have doubts, and they wonder, am I okay? But they never verbalize those because uh, they're afraid of somebody finding out what's in there and locking them up. So it's kind of that fear of the worst-case scenario. But you're right about the stigma. The stigma is a big deal. And um, it it really shouldn't be in, in terms of seeing someone like me who is a Christian, a professional, 
a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, who just has studied in this vein of thought and and helping people. Um, I look at it more like I'm I'm a professional discipler that is aware of some things and has studied some things that most people don't have time or you know haven't had the education to be aware of. And so um, I, I have evangelists in different churches that I visit that just say, hey, what you do is above my pay grade. I I totally trust your judgment. Tell me what you think about this situation. And and they will, you know, uh, let me see some of their people so that I can help them heal, stretch, and grow. But there is a stigma, and and I think the fear is uh, the fear that I'm crazy and the fear that somebody's going to find out what's going on in my head and going to lock me up. But that doesn't really happen very often. And uh, the, there is a uh, really the fear of being crazy is that is what's at the bottom of it. Just the fear of that worst case scenario. Yes, I'm very good at immediately going to the worst case scenario and just about all of my thoughts. <laughs> like if my if I'm expecting my wife to come home at a certain time and it's like 20 minutes later, I immediately start planning out how I'm gonna how am I gonna find the hospital that she's in because she was clearly in a car wreck. And then she's like, oh, no, I just went to the grocery store. <laughs> well, that's a great example. You know, we have a name for that. It's called catastrophizing. And the reason we play out the worst case scenario is it gives us the illusion of control. Of course, none of us is really in control. God is in control. But we, um, we imagine and overthink the worst case scenario because it makes us think we can keep it from happening. And that's just a little trick that we play on ourselves that really doesn't work. Gotcha. Yes. Well, I'm a master catastrophizer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I want to shift into uh, talking about some of the trends that you see. Uh, So hopefully anyone listening might be able to identify this in themselves and maybe get some pointers as to how they can kind of break through in some of these things that are holding them back. Um, what are some of the common problems that you see when you're uh, counseling Christians? I, I see a lot of people that are stuck in the performance trap. They're stuck in um, legalism, perfectionism, this overarching umbrella thought of never good enough. Now, biblically, that's exactly where the serious practicing Jew was trying to live up to the law. But it happens in many churches, many denominations, especially evangelical churches that are trying to grow and help people, where uh, disciples get this impression that they always need to do, do, do. And so what ends up happening is you see people that have become focused on the outside of the cup and the dish, but they haven't really been focused on the inside. And that's just kind of an um, accident waiting to happen, because eventually all those people who are only focused on looking good, just like Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, doing things to be seen by men. Uh, when people are focused on the outside and what we call behavior change, or my, my favorite quote is sin management, when people are just trying to practice sin management without knowing that they have a good heart 
and developing their Christ-likeness, seeing Christ formed in them, then it it just doesn't work. Their Christianity just doesn't work. They keep having the same sin, different day. You know, it's just SOS, same old stuff over and over and over again. So that, that's, that's a big problem. I, I do see some people on the extreme end of that that are almost neurotically freaked out when they even think they might have sinned. So it, it's almost, it, it, it's a tragedy. It's really like they have missed the grace of God. And of course, our Bible tells us to see to it that no one misses the grace of God. And so one of my greatest joys as a counselor is just pointing people to the cross and teaching them about biblical grace. Now, you would think they would already know that, but what they're getting in most churches is just a glimpse of grace, an occasional flash of good news, a flash of grace with a lot of, what have you done lately? What What is your performance? You know, Are you having your quiet times? Are you sharing your faith? Are you giving your contribution? Are you attending the meetings of the body? Um, and where's the good news and all that, you know, in, in having a list of things to do or a list of sins not to do? That Christianity is so much more than that. Your walk with God is so much more than that. So the, the most profound thing I do and the simplest thing I do in many of my appointments is point people to the grace of God and teach them out of the performance trap. Is there, is there like an insecurity lying at the root of that? Cause I know for me, whenever I feel pulled in that direction of kind of looking at myself and how I relate to God as it relates to my performance. And for me, the insecurity is always, I'm going to be found out as not a genuine Christian or that I did something wrong. and now it's finally coming to a head and everyone's going to discover that I'm a fraud. It, is that, does that play any role in, uh, in this trap? Yeah, that, that's, that's a really good point. Um, two things there. One is that the word insecurity that we use so often is nowhere in the Bible. So what we're really talking about there is fear. The concept of insecurity is a Freudian you know, psychological thing. But in terms of um, this fear of being found out or fear of being a fraud, it's a poser fear. John Eldridge writes about it in some of his writings and some of his podcasts. But it's just a fear of being a poser. And everybody has that, not even church, just church people or Christian people, but uh, people at the top of corporate America at the highest level, CEOs have that fear that somebody's going to find out that they really shouldn't be there. So it's, it's a very common fear. And so if someone is able to kind of self-identify, yeah, I fall into that camp. I definitely focus a lot on my sin and the things that I feel like I'm doing wrong and really struggle with accepting the good things about myself. What's a good a path forward for them? What's a good identity reset that they can focus on to, to start moving in a better direction? Well, I, I usually, what I, what I do is I practice a um, method called bibliotherapy, 
Now, Biblio doesn't mean just the Bible. It means a book. So I will take a good Christian book that teaches the principles that someone is lacking. uh, And I will use that book to get them to be working, reading that book as part of their quiet time or in their leisure time so that everything doesn't come down to the 50 minutes that they're with me that once a week or once every other week appointment so that they're thinking about these things. So I have certain books that I have people read about self-esteem. Josh McDowell wrote a book called His Image, My Image. And McGee wrote a book called Search for Significance. And those are two of the better ones. Search for Significance comes with a workbook. And it's a great book to help someone get really solid in their self-worth and self-esteem and their identity in Christ. Sometimes in my office, Travis, I'll stretch out my arms and I'll say, Jesus stretched out his arms and died for you on the cross, and that's what establishes your value. Your value to God is that he gave his one and only son to you. It's not your performance. It's not how your parents treated you. It's not how your father never showed up for visitation or custody when uh, your parents divorced. It's not your abandonment or neglect as a child. Your identity comes from what God did for you, what Jesus gave for you, his blood on the cross. And, and that's as simple and profound as it gets. But those books are very helpful. His Image, My Image by Josh McDowell. And then uh, Search for Significance by McGee with the book and the workbook. Yeah, I'll leave uh, links to both of those books in the show notes. So if you're interested in picking up a copy, uh, you can just go ahead and click on that if you're listening. And so, so Steve, as we're having this conversation, and as I'm thinking about this from a leader perspective, so as we're talking through you know, having your identity in Christ, not being so performance focused. Like I, I understand that intellectually, but it's almost like I feel a, like a flag wanting to come up. Like, wait, are we telling people it doesn't matter what they do? Are we now discounting sin and saying that that's not important? Like, so that's how, how should someone balance that if they're a leader and they want to inspire their people to continue to grow and to stretch themselves and to, to you know, pursue making disciples, but do it in a healthy way. What does that balance look like? Well, as someone who's been a leader, both full-time in the ministry and just a leader of men in the church for almost all of my 41 years, um, there's always been a fear that if you talk about grace, that people aren't going to work hard. And John Eldridge, in his book, uh, Raising the Dead, talking about where churches are, um, he talks about how guilt and fear and shame have been used for centuries, or you could say for almost a couple thousand years, to get people to work harder and give more money. And yet the Bible teaches us, for example, that Christ's love compels us. So there are higher motivations. Fear is a motivation. Guilt is a motivation. Shame can be a motivation. Duty and obligation can be good motivations. But there are higher motivations like faith, 
hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So I think um, a lot of leaders need to step away and, and really look at how often Paul talked about grace. And he said that he worked harder than all the rest, yet it wasn't him, but it was the grace of God within him. So my uh, hypothesis, which is not a hypothesis, my belief, my conviction is that if grace were focused on more and people felt secure, they would actually work harder for God out of gratitude rather than out of duty, obligation, or fear of going to hell, or fear that they're not going to make it, or some other lower motivation. If you can think of a a hierarchy of motivations kind of in a vertical way, um, fear and guilt and shame would be way down at the bottom. And then there are higher motivations like duty and obligation. Then at the top, you've got the grace of God and faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So I actually think leaders can get more out of their people if their people are secure. I'll continue the rest of my conversation with Steve in just a moment. I want to give a special shout out to Rachel. You see, Rachel is a monthly supporter for this podcast on Patreon. Now, Patreon is a platform that allows you to directly support the content that you've come to rely on. So if you really enjoy listening to this podcast, you can thank all the supporters over at Patreon for continuing to help make it happen. And as a thank you for all of the listeners, everyone that supports the podcast, uh, every week I upload bonus content to the Patreon platform that's just for them, that's special for them. And every Monday I upload a bonus podcast episode that is not available on the normal feed here. And in today's podcast episode, uh, I walk you through how to recover when you blow it, when you totally mess up with God and your relationships and your sin, and you just need to know, how do I get back to normal? And so the strategies I cover in that bonus episode have been a lifesaver for me and just helping me get back on my feet quickly, and I know that they'll help you too. Now, if you want to access this bonus episode and others like it, All you have to do is become a monthly Patreon supporter, but it doesn't actually cost that much. You know, starting at just $2 a month, you can get access to weekly podcast episodes. You'll get a shout out here on the podcast. And then just for a little bit more, you can also get extra videos and access to my online courses. So uh, if you, so if this podcast has really been helpful for you, and you want to help keep the podcast free from mattress and audiobook advertisements, it would really mean a lot to me if you uh, would consider supporting the podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash practical Christian podcast, or just click on the link in the show notes and you can jump right over. With that being said, let's jump back into my conversation with Steve Brand. So just thinking through you know, stories or people that you've interacted with or people that you've counseled. Um, are there any that stick out as like, wow, that was really an incredible transformation? Really, it's just a testament that no matter how far you feel like you are from God, you can always you can always find your way back to him. Are there any stories that jump out to you? Yeah, I've got a really good one. Um, two years ago, I worked with uh, someone who would be considered a uh, 
really high-profile leader in a church. And uh, in talking with her, found out that for all of her Christian life, she had been in the performance trap. What I do, Travis, is I point to the left-hand side of my office where there's a window where the sunlight comes in, and and I call that the light. And then on the right-hand side of my office, I point to a bookshelf in kind of a dark corner of my office, and I call that not just the darkness, but I call it the religious darkness. And over there in the religious darkness, the overarching umbrella is never good enough. And I put over there, uh, obviously, uh, perfectionism and performance Christianity, the performance trap, uh, and guilt and shame, and sometimes church culture or campus culture, uh, where people are always trying to do, 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 do more, 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 more. And then on the left-hand side, by the window where the light is, I say, okay, this is where the light is. This is where... God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Bible and grace and freedom and forgiveness and fun, you know, not drudgery and good enough because Jesus was worthy in Revelation 5 to open the scroll. He makes us good enough. And I asked this woman who was a pillar in the church, I asked her uh, what percentage of the time in her heart and mind she was over there in the religious darkness and what percentage in the light confident secure saved because jesus was good enough and unfortunately 2 years ago she said it was 100% stuck in the religious darkness and what i tell people and and actually the the most frequent scores are 15 in the light and 85% in the religious darkness Wow. But what I tell people is I say, what what we're going to do as we work together over the next few months is we're going to migrate you to where it it may not be 100% because nobody's perfect, but we, we'll get you over there like 90, 95% in the light, secure in your salvation and strong in the grace, just like Paul wrote about in Ephesians. And we'll just move you out of the religious darkness. And sure enough, over the past couple of years, she has made an incredible transformation and even overcome a sin in her life that had been there for decades. So that that's a, a great story. And, uh, you know, what I tell people, Travis, is just read Hebrews, Romans and Galatians for a couple months, like sit and read those books at one sitting and then go back and study them out and look for grace. Look for phrases like a righteousness from God in Romans or in Ephesians where it says we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Like we are there by faith. We're already seated at the right hand of God seated because our work is done. That's what Ephesians two says that we're already there. It's a done deal. And the theme of Hebrews is already, but not yet. You know, that we're already there, but not yet. We're, st- we're still, you know, in the process of becoming like Christ, but we're secure. And that that is one of the most rewarding things I do is help people migrate out of that religious darkness. Because it's, it's a quagmire of muck 
And people sin over there, and they just lay down in the ditch and drink ditch water. They flop around in the mud. And First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's a fantastic story. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I could feel, I could almost feel like myself relating to her in that moment and just feeling completely trapped by my self-righteousness mm-hmm. and feeling like a prisoner of my deeds. And that, you know, if this is my identity, I have to keep this up, even if it's killing me. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, no, that's, that was fantastic. Uh, thank you for sharing that. So thinking through, you know, everyone has issues, everyone has problems, everyone has things that they could benefit from seeing a Christian counselor. Uh, at what point does it make sense to, to really pursue it in a deliberate way? Uh, maybe as opposed to just confiding in a friend, what is the difference there? And at what point do people need to say, you know what, I really do need to see someone who has a little more professional expertise. Well, I think there are um, clinical diagnoses like major depression. Depression is called the common cold of the brain. And there is a way to treat depression. And a lot of people sneak around to their primary care physician or their OBGYN and they get some Prozac or they get some Lexapro. But the research on depression is that um, it's kind of like the left wing and the right wing of the airplane. One wing, one way to treat depression is with medication. But if you think of that cross-section picture of an iceberg and you see the tip of the iceberg above the waterline and this big hulking mass of ice under the water, Medication addresses the symptoms. So it's like taking a sledgehammer to the tip of the iceberg. But where Christian therapy comes in is dealing with the mass under the water. Things like loss and grief and disappointment and broken dreams and abuse and trauma, verbal, emotional, psychological, physical, sexual abuse and childhood, or uh, for women, uh, rape or the trauma of abortion and things like that, that people just don't get over. And uh, many times people will put, kind of try to keep the lid on that can of worms and not deal with it. And they will hit the wall in their life with a besetting sin or just feel stuck, feel like they're not getting anywhere. And you mentioned the word stuck or trapped earlier. I, I look at when someone comes into my office, I look at them as someone who is just temporarily stuck. And it's a tremendous honor for me to have them ask me to walk on their path for a while. And my integrity is I let people go as quickly as possible. I give them skills. I teach them coping skills. I look kind of in their toolbox and see what's missing. And then I give them tools every time they come to see me. And I want to teach them to fly on their own. I don't want to create dependence on me. I want them to be able to fly out of my office. And I actually have a healthy amount of turnover because I don't keep people too long. I give them skills. I teach them things so that they can make progress on their own. Did that answer your question? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no, this this whole conversation has been an absolute blast. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm sad, but I've only got a couple more questions for you. <laughs> um, 
what are some things that you do? And you mentioned a couple of these earlier, but what are some things that you like to do to, to stay close to God on a daily basis? I like variety in my relationship with God. I, I think if it's really a relationship, then you can't always do the same thing with your wife. Like if you just go to McDonald's all the time with your wife, it's going to be pretty boring. So I try to do a lot of things in my relationship with God. I've got a what I would call a place of prayer near my house that I go to. Uh, I think it's always good to have a nature spot that you can go to. That's like your place to go and meet with God. I use music. I love using Christian music because let's face it. Every day I wake up, every day you wake up uh, and people who are listening, we don't always feel spiritual. There are sometimes we wake up and it doesn't feel like there's a spiritual thing going on. And that's a lie from the enemy. But what helps me sometimes is just listening to some Christian music. And I listen to podcasts as I'm driving like this. It's such a great way to learn listening to podcasts, you know? Uh, so I listen to podcasts from uh, Ransomed Heart, and that's John Eldridge's uh, app and website. And he's just got a treasure trove of podcasts. I listen to podcasts from other churches and other ministers, and obviously read the Bible and pray. Uh, I like to pray with the brothers in my community group. We have a community group here in uh, Marietta Square. And uh, I I like to go on prayer hikes with the brothers. I've got some regular brothers that we go to Kennesaw Mountain, which is just a few minutes down the road. and, And we will hike and we will pray and we will talk. And I like to just incorporate all those things into my relationship with God. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Kennesaw Mountain. It's a really cool spot. Are there any books or resources that you like to use when you're trying to go deeper in your uh, personal Bible study? I'm a big John Eldridge fan. You've probably mentioned him several times. Uh, also, um, Dallas Willard. I've read and listened to a lot of Dallas Willard's uh, podcasts or YouTube videos. Uh, read a number of his books. I, I like to. Um, Work on the inside, on the heart. You know, I like to work on on that heart that gets neglected, that nobody sees. You know, so those those are my most recent. Uh, I've got a book in front of me here that I'm reading right now. Free to Live by John Eldridge, and it's really a short book, but it's about. Uh, the joy of holiness and uh, again, working on the inside and that holiness is not just a lip service thing, but it really is possible that we can become more and more holy and we can get rid of more and more sin. And he really uh, covers some simple and profound concepts theologically where people are stuck and where people get trapped and they don't really think they can reach a level of holiness that's possible because of the blood of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, because of the power of the Word of God living in our hearts. So that, that's a short list. That's a good list. Are you currently uh, accepting new clients? Is that something that you would like to yes, promote? Yes. Okay. And and I, I have a number of um 
telephone clients around the country. Of course, it, it's uh, I call it coaching. Right. When I talk talk to people around the country, and actually, I have a few that are international. Mm-hmm. But we we set up an appointment on the phone, and I give them spiritual coaching over the phone. Sometimes it's about parenting. Sometimes it's about marriage. Sometimes it's about breaking free from pornography and sexual addiction and things like that. So if someone would like to reach out to you, if they recognize that they need some help, they need a Christian counselor, someone they could trust to talk about potentially some deep, deeply rooted issues, what would be the best way to get in touch with you? Brando, that's my nickname, B-R-A-N-D-O at stephendbrand.com or my phone number 678-772-3485. Awesome. Steve, it's been so much fun having you on the podcast. I've got one more question for you. And uh, and I think you'll probably take this in a little bit of a different direction than than most would. But what advice would you give to someone who wants to make an impact for God? Well, that's a great question. My favorite scripture is that a generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others, he himself will be refreshed. So I think because God is a giver, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that if we just make that decision that I'm going to be a giver, I'm not going to be a taker. And everywhere I go, I'm going to be a giver. That, that changes everything. That's a paradigm shift. And so uh, that's what I've decided to do with my Christian life the last 40 plus years is just be a giver, to be a generous man and uh, to give to as many people as I can. Wise words. Thank you so much, Steve, for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Travis. My pleasure. Wow, what an incredible, incredible interview. Uh, A couple things that I loved from this interview with Steve. Uh, Number one, our discussion about the performance trap and what to do when you find yourself there. I know so many of us can fall into that trap of just focusing on our deeds, on our works, and that being a reflection of our faith and completely missing grace and, and really the true gospel, which is that we have freedom in Christ and not servitude in Christ. Um, I also love the story he told about the woman who is a very powerful leader in her church who had been in that performance trap, but was able to get herself out of the religious darkness as, as Steve called it and back into the light. I know that I, that story really resonated with me and just gave me encouragement that, you know, it is possible to shift your mindset and to shift your paradigm and to, to really live free in Christ again, even after a long time of being stuck in that religious darkness. So again, just so grateful for Steve and all the wisdom that he offered. If you are looking for a Christian counselor or you feel like there's something that uh, you would benefit from having spending some time with a Christian counselor, I encourage you to reach out to Steve. He's a fantastic, fantastic brother. Um, you know, and his contact information is in the show notes of this episode. So please uh, reach out to him and it, I know it'll totally be worth it. Well, that is it for today. Make sure to smash that subscribe button to get daily practical tips just like this one. Check out the podcast's Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash practical Christian podcast for exclusive perks and bonus content. 
And if this episode helped you in some way, please consider passing it along to someone who would benefit from it. Every day is an opportunity to grow closer to God and make a positive impact on the people around you. Take action with what you've learned and help make the world a little more like heaven. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.